Hello there, and welcome to Box All Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm podcast host Hamish Wants to Battle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Jade, oh my god, there's such a Mary Sue, Rose. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we decided to, you know, as is our way to, you know, go into a nice measured discussion that will, I'm sure create no backlash, no incensed feelings, nothing of the sort. We're going to talk about unpopular opinions. Um, it's a meme, you've, you've seen it all over Twitter, there's no escaping it. It's uh, it's definitely starting to wear a, a bit thin and it's experiencing its own backlash itself, so it <laughs> seems. Um, but before it totally becomes old hat and we've missed the boat entirely once again, uh, we thought we'd give it a go and try to get our own sort of unpopular, geeky and queer opinions off our chests or talk about how we feel about them, generally speaking. But first of all, what's been happening since the last episode? Yeah, it's catch up time. I mean, we take two weeks between episodes now, so um, mm. things do happen. I had Comic Con, uh, yes. which I promoted last episode. It was really sweet. Uh, we have new overlords at MCM, um, and so it was a bit of a bumpy transition, I think. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, it was a really good weekend for me. Um, also, since last time, I went to see uh, one of my favorite podcasts, My Favorite Murder, live. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with Justin and Tiffany, my co-host of the Poltercast. Um, and seeing live podcasts is really interesting because I think the audience doesn't quite know if they're see if they're like seeing theater or stand up um yeah so we were in a bit of a rowdy uh mm-hmm. corner of people constantly getting up and for more beer and things and i was sat yeah. there wanting to hear every ounce of the thing i pay for yeah. um but yeah that was cool um another thing i've been following is uh classic who on twitch um, I've only dipped in and out, um, mm-hmm. but basically, uh, all of classic Doctor Who is being streamed on Twitch, sort of twenty four seven. Cool. Um, it's really interesting, and like, it's being kind of moderated, and there's little interviews and stuff. Um, but we're still in kind of the black and white era, and it's just really interesting seeing lots of it's. It's like really attracted people that never watched classic Who before. Sure. And so. Uh, I've been watching, I, I've, been, I've recorded a few episodes of Whosbands with Justin, a Doctor Who recap podcast, but we're still trying to like, I haven't edited any of them. Yeah. Um, and like, if you watch one episode of Classic Who, it is it does throw you as so different to the new mm. series. But like, if you sort of just keep going, it kind of, you realise, oh, it is the same show. It's just t- TV was different back then. Um Sure. And uh, everyone's really loving uh, Ian and Barbara, the first companions, who are slightly underrated, I think. Uh Uh-huh. That's about it of what I've been uh, sort of doing. (laughs) How about Mm -hmm, you? mm -hmm. Um, Well, last weekend I had what I refer to as an epically bad decision that was utterly so much fun to do, (laughs) which was that I had two hours of D&D and then went to bed and then five hours later, got up to play Starfinder, starting at three thirty a.m. Five <laughs> hours, and then <laughs> I had a really odd kind of morning. And then I napped, and then I played Follow in the evening as part of um, 
the test arc for what will be an actual play podcast. And I was supposed to do a one-on-one shot for uh, There Will Be Consequences that evening, at which point I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I was very, But it was a, a very intense weekend of tabletop playing and I had a really good time. Um, so I want to shout out to, because I mentioned um, I was going to be playing Starfinder on our polyamory uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that came to fruition. It was an utter clusterfuck. My character had a really, really, really shit day, and um, I am possibly going to burn the dice that I was used because it rolled <laughs> so badly. Um, but I'm looking forward to playing Starfinder again. One of our group, who was a player in that instance, is like, no, I want to run this. And uh, being the sci-fi nerd that I am, I am uh, very excited to continue doing that. I think we're going to be playing a sibling of the character I played. Mm-hmm. So, Because, uh, look, I love me some rat people. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, catching up Nine Worlds is coming which is really exciting they've just had to have their uh, sort of price increase they've started announcing the entertainment we're going to have the Bifrost Nightmare Live which I am going to try get to Ooh, this nice. year and there's one I forget what it's called but it's basically like kind of like a choose your own adventure meets improv theatre mm-hmm. thing and I want to try and get because I'm going to be staying at the hotel again I want to try and get to some of the uh, the entertainment this year so that's exciting um, I'm going to be taking part in a new streamed game where we start at level 15 and go forward mm. uh, for d and I'm playing a tiefling arcane trickster called Curiosity, who is kind of what would happen if you mixed Tank Girl and Dirk Gently together mm. <laughs> and gave them a ridiculous accent that is from nowhere in particular. And it's very fun so far with the prep work we've done on that. As I mentioned previously, playing Follow, that is for an actual play podcast. It's coming called Follow the Leader, mm-hmm. which I'm a part of, which is all going to be like GMless uh, tabletop games. And we'll all sort of take turns, sort of like helming it, as it were. And the conceit we currently have is that we'll have the same sort of characters, but we'll like tweak them to fit the settings as we move forward. Sort of just like exploring the nature of character driven narratives, regardless of the setting, and seeing how we can do that with the same characters. So that should be fun. And quick thing, um, I want to, we've talked about movies with Mikey before and his channel Filmjoy on YouTube. Mm -hmm. He's sort of recently done um, a video called Lessons Animation Taught Us. And rather than it being sort of a one-off video essay, it's sort of like the beginning of what he feels will be a series, but also he sort of made it not a call to arms as such, but an invitation for lots of people to sort of come forward and talk about the lessons that they learned from the movies um, they watched as children or even as adults like because animation is so often put to one side as a thing for children or regarded as kind of a genre in its own right whereas as we've discussed animation is a means of telling stories it's not a genre in and of itself so I don't know maybe I'll try and convince you Hamish to do a lessons animation taught us mini mm. thing <laughs> maybe I will fun. that'd be fun so that, that could be fun we'll, uh, we'll actually show our faces <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's sort of my quick catch up. But let's uh, geek out about a few things before we get into. Yeah, I mean, last into the topic. Last week, I kind of said that we were going to do news, and I combed, and there wasn't really much uh, news. News. Um, we'll do news when there is news. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by um, a little bit of info about the second season of Queer Eye, um, where they will feature. Um, as contestants, um, I think a couple of women, 
and uh, there's a trans man contestant. I say contestant. Okay, yeah. I don't know what else to call them. No, I suppose. <laughs> Victim. Yeah, no. It's... <laughs> um, but yes, uh, guest. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. It sounds a little bit like they've uh, taken some of the advice or requests for what to do. Um, That's awesome. Uh, I saw Solo, a Star Wars story this week. <laughs> I actually kind of want to talk a little bit about Solo. I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen a couple of things about it. Um, hot takes. Reviewer, hot takes. Um, I've seen some thoughts on it from people whose opinions I respect. And um, I've had the interesting experience. Um, I should, I forget. Somebody tweeted me. Um, I assume it's a follower from Boston. Shout out to the person who tweeted me. Um, saying that they really enjoyed my performance as the robot in Solo. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, now I kind of feel like I need to go and see this movie. And then a member of our actual play podcast, um, also on our on our Discord server, was just like, so, yeah, the robot kind of reminded me of our game and also a couple of members of this group. Yeah. So, but I know you had issues with the robot. Is this is L3? Yeah. Is correct? So I thought L3 was atrocious and offensive to be honest oh, well there we go um, but I've descent se- in the ranks but the thing is I've seen so many people say that they love her yeah. um, I guess maybe I'm a bit just cynical uh, I'm not going to say any you? spoilers <laughs> cynical? I'm not going to say any spoilers no. L3 is introduced um, so, so a bit of context is she's the very first robot a droid main character who is, uh, I'm going to say female. I'm not going to say coded female. She's like, um, overtly female played by Mm -hmm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I do love. Um, Fleabag is her sitcom. Yeah. I was also so impressed by the way they created L3 because, um, she's entirely practical uh, Phoebe was underneath the costume in a like a green stocking. Oh, and so what you're seeing is really there. All they did was take her out of it. Interesting. Um, so it's really impressive for a lot of reasons, and I, I like her in theory, right? But I can't. So her thing. She's a social justice robot. Yes. So her thing is droid rights, and I've talked to some people, and I thought it was a real big. Like Tumblrina SJW mockery, mm. and other people have said like hashtag me. I love her so much. She's an icon. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I I have this kind of feeling she's created specifically so that like liberal people can buy her quotes on T-shirts, and also YouTube Nazis can say, "See, Disney hates you. They're making fun of you." Um, there's like bits, there's a bit where, uh, Lando, who is, I think the reason to see the film, I think he's amazing. Um, like says, can I get you anything? And she says equal rights and Lando. But the thing is like Lando then just like rolls his eyes Mm. and it's like, this is a franchise about rebellion. And for some reason they've chosen the first female droid to be the one whose rebellion isn't taken seriously. It's mm. like the running gag of this is that she cares about how she's treated and then she's not treated very well. And yeah, um, 
the narrative I felt of the film was she is wrong. Like right. it, it's it's like her malfunction is that she cares about this, um, right. and it kind of throws. If you have a droid acting like that, it kind of throws the way we feel about all droids in the entire franchise in really strangely. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I have a problem, I think, of just always being pissed off at all media. So <laughs> if people... I are, follow your Twitter. Yeah. So if people go in with a lot more... <laughs> like, it's more envious that I, I wish I could love her but i feel i mean i'm i'm still a lefou defender against all the odds so i'm i know how um i can i can totally see how people would love her and i can't wait to see people cosplay her in really weird inventive ways um Mm -hmm. i just felt a bit uncomfortable a bit like lefou if there had been other female robots or there had been like a hint sure. at the fact of droid rights in the series before now. Yeah. Um, I guess I might feel a bit, I might like her a bit sure. more. But I don't know. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I suppose to my extent, like one, I've said, I think it really didn't need to be a movie. For example, like even people that, some people like really enjoyed it. I saw lots of shout outs to I've, the fig- Ansel Engelbert. His name is... <laughs> um, Ember Humpledink. <laughs> I don't, so, Yeah. yeah. No disrespect, man. Apparently, he does a really good job. Yeah, like a lot better than people were expecting. It was weird. Which, the uh, credit to him. The things I was worried about, I thought were fine, and I guess the things I was looking forward to, um, mm. like the like the robot, I was a bit disappointed by. But yeah, he actually does a really good job. He, um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the first reboot Star Trek film where mm-hmm. he's balancing reminding you of Harrison Ford but not doing an impression whereas right. uh Donald Glover's a bit more Carl Urban in those films yeah. and a bit more like he's playing a kind of like Saturday night live sketch version of Billy D Williams okay. and like it's such a thin line between I think it works really well because I think yes. he he feels a lot younger mm-hmm. so he's he's a different kind of person and he hasn't kind of like uh, fallen into the sort of smooth um, yeah. way that kind of comes with a bit of age. He sort of seems a little bit... He's a bit more Zach Brannigan. He's a bit more, like, oh, right. um, into himself. And it's kind of cute. Cool. And um, we talked about the sort of writer talking about his pansexuality. And I think there's a little, you know, an extra bit of context needed of... Um, he was talking about he wasn't saying look how great my pansexual representation is he was actually talking about the fact he wanted to put more lgbt representation in the film but couldn't right um, even though he thinks of i I, basically i don't think donald glover was playing him straight i think that's fair sure there is a moment where people um i think l3 calls him out for flirting with han yeah (laughs) um i don't know I suppose one thing, um, this is a spoiler that I'm not going to try and go into too deeply, but if you really don't want to be spoiled for Solo and haven't seen it yet, maybe like skip ahead 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, The treatment of Fandy Newton's character. Yeah. And how that was a misstep 
on the film's behalf, whereas it could have been a much more interesting mm. thing if they'd maybe killed off Woody Harrelson instead. Yeah. And had her being the mentor role. It just seems like, from from what I've read about it, it just seems like a real waste and just like an unfortunate playing into the trends of killing off women and particularly women of colour and black women. And black women have so few roles mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yeah. She's one of the, uh, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. I, so shout out to that amazing gown that Thandi wore to the premiere mm. of Solo. That was just like, yes. No, it's, it's. Uh, I think it, personally, I think it's my least favourite of the Disney Star Wars films. But uh-huh. it, if you like this kind of stuff, there is beautiful jackets, there's wonderful puppets and great sets, mm-hmm. and it is fun. I think I yeah. was, um, especially if you go in with a bit like of a open mind or no expectations, I think you have a fun time. Okay, fair. Um, Shall I talk about the thing I've been watching before I let you go off on the thing that you're going to have a lot to say about? Yeah. Okay. Um, This is something that I feel like I'm going to want to dedicate some time to properly once I have finished it. But uh, last weekend, I finished the first season of Black Sails. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get why everyone talks about it the way that they do. I am very invested. There are definitely some moments in the first season where I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But thing again, films about historical accuracy. I say historical accuracy. Mm. It's a show. It's a it's a show from the Stars Network, mm-hmm. and really, you know, everything that you can expect from a Stars show is true of that. <laughs> oh, excuse me. But I'm very invested in the characters and the ongoing plot, and um, I've been watching it with um, my boyfriend who isn't familiar with Treasure Island. Um, so got to sort of explain, no, this is a prequel <laughs> to a very famous book. And it was just very fun to sort of get into that. And we're enjoying it immensely. And we're both very in love with Anne Bonnie. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm looking forward to getting into the rest of it and sort of talking about it in more depth. But if people are interested, all four seasons are on UK Netflix. And I think you can get it through um, Netflix in mainland Europe as well. I'm not sure about where it stands in America. That's, but... that's cool. I mean, I find historical TV shows... Uh, you, it's these days you have to kind of go in with the expectation that you're gonna have to get through some shit. <laughs> uh, you said like uncomfortable moments, um, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting having never watched any of Black Sails. What the kind of people that really stand up for it and try and promote it are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to check it out. On my ever growing list of things to <laughs> check out. Okay, Hamish. Let's talk about it. You have no more than five minutes. Okay, right. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, for a while it was rumoured that there was a big Pokemon announcement. A lot of things leaked. Um, And finally this week they announced Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee uh, for the Nintendo Switch. Um, These are not the Pokemon games... Uh, we want, but they're the Pokemon games we deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they are... It's a very smart business move, and I think in the announcement of them, Nintendo were very quick to say, the real next Pokemon games are coming out at the end of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need a bit more time. And basically, even though 
everyone thinks about like Pokemon Go as that thing everyone played for a month, a few like a year ago or so, two yeah. years ago. Um, it's still like Nintendo's m- biggest money maker of anything they've ever done consistently. Yeah. It's still one of the like biggest ever app apps. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and those like millions of uh, dollars don't translate to people buying the actual Pokemon games they spend a lot of time making. So they've made this um, game that's kind of designed to introduce Pokemon Go players to the main series Pokemon games. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of like a blend of... It's a remake of Pokemon Yellow, um, which is about 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it features a lot of Pokemon Go elements Uh and I think it's really cool. And even though when I watched the trailer, I was a bit like, oh dear, I don't want them to, um, you know, because there's a lot of things they're removing sure. from the games to kind of streamline it. And um, it only features the first 150, which I've caught 800 times in my life. Uh, so I was a little bit worried, but that's, it's, it, since it's been announced, it's um, really warming to me as an idea. And it's kind of getting everyone excited about Pokemon again mm-hmm. um, in a way that's really... Uh, cool and it's exciting me about Pokemon again and so <laughs> I re-downloaded Pokemon Go mm-hmm. I play that on my walk to the tube on the tube I play uh, Ultra Moon on my 3DS that I never finished mm-hmm. I play Pokemon Go as I go to work and then when I come home I've been doing my annual rearranging of all of my Pokemon cards mm-hmm. and it's making me an absolute child again Um and I just think that's really sweet. Yeah. Um, Are you going to interest- get Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee? Well, uh, I'm not sure. The uh, One of the weird things about these games is that Pikachu and Eevee don't evolve. Um, Pokemon Yellow, similarly, was a... Uh, it's kind of interesting it's being remade for this reason because... It was a remake of Red and Blue, which only came out a couple of years before Mm -hmm. when it came out. And its job was to get people watching the anime more into the games. So whereas in the original Pikachu was just some random Pokemon you could catch in a forest if you want. Yeah. uh, He became the mascot kind of after the games were made. And uh, they did lots of things about the game. They put kind of Team Rocket in there and lots of other sort of things to make it more like the game including the fact that your Pikachu didn't want to evolve. <laughs> hmm. um, so I'm not sure. Eevee's like, thing is that they can evolve into lots of different things and it can't. So I'm kind of interested in getting to know Eevee a bit better. Sure. Because usually I only catch them just to evolve them and add them to my collection. It's a bit heartless. Um, so maybe that. Um, unfortunately, the big Pokemon news got... Uh, um, pushed aside by other Pokemon news that people are going a bit wild over. Mm. Um, A demo for Gold, which was the second proper generation, Mm -hmm. um, that was shown at a trade show in 1997, a very early demo, has been found and hacked and leaked, which includes the, like, early proto-designs for all of the the new Pokemon. Oh, that's what that is that I've been seeing. And so they're all just like weird first drafts of things that we've now known for so long. Interesting. Including a bunch of things that never really f- came to fruition. Some people have tried to be working out what things are at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and everyone loves them and it's really funny because whenever a new generation of Pokemon comes out, usually fans are a bit cynical and say, oh, it's not as good as the other ones and yeah. uh, oh, they're too over-designed and stuff. But we're seeing these like disgusting rejects and they've got <laughs> and like, universal yep. love and of it's course. really cute. <laughs> of course. Um, so oh, that's cool. I, I went from naught to 60 in my Pokemon love over the last week. Oh. I won't say naught. I'll say 10 miles an hour. Sure. Um, but oh. yeah. Well, let's go from something that's uh, been very widely received um, and enjoyed <laughs> to uh, the opposite of that. Let's talk about the unpopular opinion meme. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what started it. Like... Because I just started seeing so many different like fandom variations and other thing variations like jobs and stuff like that pretty yeah. rapidly. So I'm not entirely sure where it started. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, unpopular opinion is one of those like slightly dead phrases. Yeah. In a way, it's a bit like, um, what was it? Like awkward. They made a film named after it, like awkward moment or something right um it's just it's just one of those things you used to hear on tumblr like three or four years ago a lot and mm. i haven't heard people say so much the kind of irony of an unpopular opinion on twitter is you're only going to post something that's going to get you notes and, exactly like, so they're not really unpopular opinions they're kind of i saw a tweet that um said there's a few types of unpopular opinions uh actually popular opinions uh P- opinions that are only popular like in the real world but not in your twitter circle mm-hmm. and then actually unpopular opinions and they're probably racist <laughs> yeah like so it's been interesting i think it's more a meme in which people can like vent a frustration about the industry or the franchise of something mm-hmm. that isn't generally something people talk about but's important to them sure yeah, I think when when we when you pitched this to me as a, as a topic for us to talk about, I was like, yeah, no, let's get on this. I haven't retweeted any or posted any myself mm. because actually voicing quote unpopular opinions and discussing them makes me intrinsically uncomfortable, um, and I think a lot of that is down to my autism. But there are certain things I don't feel comfortable, I don't want to say rocking the boat as it were, because like when I care about a thing, when it's important to me, I will talk about it quite happily and getting me to shut up is the trick. But a lot of the time I don't like to divert from the script as it Mm -hmm. were, because it's genuinely, um, it causes anxiety for me. And when these unpopular things like people get a lot of the time they're negative and that's yeah. it's not it's not universally that that it's possible to have positive unpopular opinions which is which is great and um i'm hoping that we maybe bound uh, bounce a couple around later but when people start talking about oh i hate this and oh i hate that and oh, i wish this wasn't a thing and i just sort of start getting a bit like uh-huh, i don't want to upset my friend because I have a different opinion of a thing than they do it's one thing when I may be having a conversation with somebody in person because you know you then have body language and stuff that you can try desperately to get a clue on 
But so often with these unpopular opinions, it seems like, well, it can be a very positive and cathartic thing to sort of air your grievances and maybe talk about things that get, get talked about a lot. I think for a lot of people, it's an, it's an excuse to, or maybe not an excuse, but that venting, as cathartic as it can be for the person, I can find it very overwhelming to be a, to be a witness to. Yeah. And when I start thinking about, oh, maybe I should post some unpopular opinions, I have so much questioning of myself. Well, is this actually an unpopular opinion or is this actually a very widely held opinion? It's just within my circle. It's mm. not. Or it's just like I'm excruciatingly aware that I exist in a bubble, as it were. And I tend to be around like-minded folk because that's that's the communities we build for ourselves, be it fandom or based around um, shared issues or different forms of community. And that's great and that's wonderful. So for me trying to go, well, is this actually an unpopular opinion or is this just, is it not, is it unpopular in that it goes against the vocal majority, but actually within my circle of friends, it's actually a very popular opinion because we're all of a similar yeah. mind. And it becomes sort of quite tricky. Yeah, I mean, t Twitter is characterized as this very negative place, but mm -hmm. most of us kind of like curate, you know, who we follow so that it's at least pleasant for us. Yeah. Um, but this week has felt like really negative because mm -hmm. um, I prefer unpopular opinions, which are more like this film is better than people say it is. Yes. And there's like an element of negativity to that because you're kind of being negative about people that don't like it yes but it's still it's more about like promoting that and i think there is a way to have unpopular opinions that are um positive i see this a lot in comics twitter okay which is kind of frustrates me um people get so many notes i call them notes that's what tumblr calls them but so yeah. many like likes and retweets yeah um by basically just criticizing the way other people handle their business. Oh, um, that's gross. But it's, I mean, there's a way of saying, here's some advice on how to present online. Or like this this tweet I've seen posted in various variations by like nine different people, all yeah. with thousands of retweets is, please have a website on your Twitter that links to where we can see your art. Mm. And... I strongly think it's not really done anymore to give advice. It's done to like sort of semi shame people. It's or subtweeting. Like, so much of this is yeah. subtweeting. Um, and like there's been lots of variations with uh, comics Twitter on this. There's been lots of positive ones. There's been like more kind of angry at the. I mean, I, I think the only one I posted was a like unpopular opinions comics, and I said. Um, you should pay us. <laughs> yeah. Like, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of them which is just like, don't ever... And it, it, it it's people making really strict, hard and fast rules about how you run your business. Yeah. Um, like, I, do, I still have all my websites and stuff, but like, but I can imagine lots of reasons why people would intentionally not put a link to their work on their Twitter account. Right. Um maybe they are busy and don't want extra work or don't want annoying emails and, sure. and, you know, or maybe they just want their Twitter separate or, you know, I just, I, I, I feel there's a lot of superiority complexing happening with certain unpopular mm -hmm. opinions I found. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a bit of nine worlds when you're at a panel and someone really 
d- dismisses a whole piece of media. I mean, I f- I'm very conscious that I kind of did that with L3, but I try to make it clear that it was it, your feeling. It, yeah, it didn't work for me, and I'm I'm always envious of people that enjoy anything. When I don't like something, I'm like upset. <laughs> like, I yeah. wish I did like it, but I am. Um, you know, I can try and explain my feelings by it, but I mostly am kind of. I wish I could have more happiness in my life, and yeah. I think sometimes unpopular opinions are about kind of criticizing people for being happy about something. Yeah, and I mean, as people that, sh- and I'm talking about you and I here, but also like people, it's certainly not unique to you and I who try to engage critically with the things that we love and the things that we create. I think it's good to discuss issues with things and problems we have. I think it's just this overwhelming... I don't know, because it feels like negativity breeds negativity. Mm. And then people come up with, like, straw man arguments. Oh, well, people think this, but I think this is like, do they, though? Or are you just looking to start something or have an argument about a thing? Yeah, I mean, I I post a lot of, like, opinions and critiques of stuff, Mm. but I think these unpopular opinion tweets are, like, encouraging people to rack their brains for something that they hate. Yeah. And, like, putting needless negativity into the timeline, and it's just kind of... That's not how you and I roll as people. No. Like, we're not to say we're shiny, sunshine people, happy happy fun times all the time, because we're not. We're frequently angry about stuff. Yeah. But part of our remit as people is to try to you know talk about the things we enjoy as well um and i think this is this is sort of unpopular opinions adjacent i guess the timing of it in this instance has made has kind of really sucked because i think there's been all this negativity like of people talking about people and then we've hit pride month Mm. and all the discourse has reared its head again, as it does. Yeah. To be fair, let me be very clear. This discourse is around all the time. However, yeah. it seems like you, you always get a resurgence of it at Pride anyway. Because who belongs at Pride? We've just, You and I have discussed this a lot. Mm. But it seems like with all that negativity that was still around, the discourse as it's arrived has had an even more unpleasant quality to it. Yeah, everyone's feeling very uh, justified. Yeah. um, Yeah, we plan to do this episode earlier in the week. um, So we'll probably do, we might do a Pride episode um, this month or something. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to do a really, really, really positive one. Sure. Um, Because I, yeah, I mean, we enter community fight every month. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can, and I'm not talking about the people... You know, I I hate to say both sides or anything, but I am not trying to shame people annoyed that they're not recognised and are fighting to be recognised in Pride. Um, I just think, like, wouldn't it be nice if we had a month to celebrate or to talk about Mm. our community and be close to each other um, and be united? But maybe that will never happen. (laughs) Let's, Let's have a quick breather. Let's... Put the kettle on and then we'll get back into more unpopular stuff. (laughs) 
It's the middle section of the show. Hi and welcome. Unpopular opinion, the middle section of a show is my favourite bit. Mostly because we get to talk about ourselves and plug whatever. We are Um, vain SOBs up in here. Yeah. um, I only have really one thing to plug. Um, On uh, this week, last week, on Friday, was the launch of Dead Endia, The Watcher's Test, my new book. Um, So that's now officially out in the UK. It comes out in the US in August. Um, But that's really exciting. Um, and if you're listening to this on Monday or the week it comes out and you live in, uh, Newcastle, York, Leeds or Manchester, I am going to be doing a little mini tour like I did last year of Dead India. Um, and you should come see me. I haven't got the official times and dates yet. <laughs> um. But watch this space. Yeah. I, I, I might be able to, um, uh. I think it's uh, Leeds and Manchester on the uh, Saturday this week and um, York and Newcastle on the other day. And it's in the kind of lunchtime PMs, early PMs sort of time. Um, and it's really, really fun. And they're really good stores, Travelling Man. They uh, they all have a unique personality. Cool. And um, I'm looking forward to going back to York, which is probably the weirdest town I've ever been to in the UK. And I... <laughs> grew up in Glastonbury mm. um it's bizarre uh, but very very fun and and very worth a trip one day if you ever fancy it um mm-hmm. so that's me awesome um I will give a quick plug to Natural Ruckus streamed D&D on Friday nights we're still working on our Sean campaign and the high level character campaign that I mentioned uh, that I created curiosity for starts on this Friday, June 8th. Uh, that sort of starts about, I think it's either 6.30 or 7pm UK time. Uh, we've got a warlock, a trickster, a wizard, um, a would-be knight, and a historian who's like three different multi-classes. It's very good. But that is uh, coming. That should be, a, it's a fun group of people. I hope people maybe come along and check that out, that we will be having YouTube archives and in theory, uh, there will be consequences should be launching this weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ooh, might not, but the plan is that it will be hitting the uh, the airwaves this weekend because I really like the idea of releasing it on June 9th. Nice. Uh, I, <laughs> because I'm a terrible person. But those are the things that I've sort of got uh coming soon um oh thank you for listening to the oh show. yeah thank you uh please rate review subscribe uh, share with a friend um oh i want to give a quick shout out to another podcast because they gave us a shout out and not just because mm. of that but they're awesome um my neighbor trans toro um <laughs> who uh it's two friends uh harry and sam harry um i met at mcm in october um they and uh, their partner were sort of just behind Hamish on mm-hmm. our row. But it's uh, two trans friends talking about mo- a lot about comics, but also about media. Uh, Sam's in New Zealand. Uh, Harry, I believe, is somewhere up north of here. And mm-hmm. it's just good friends talking about things. Um, and it's just, it's a lovely vibe. And they sort of every uh, episode, they've had two episodes out trying to talk about like queer history 
or like maybe mm. somebody you haven't heard of before. But they have a really fun vibe. It's a it's a good show, and uh, they've given us shout outs within the show as well. They're, 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 so uh, they're lovely peoples, and you should check that out. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Right. Brace yourself. I, yeah, things are about to get salty. Mm, make sure you got uh, plenty of water on hand. <laughs> and we are back. Yeah, so back when we decided to do an Unpopular Opinions episode, mm. I thought we'd be sharing our unpopular opinions. But um, you, uh, I think we will still talk a little bit before we get to it. But sure. we also got a lot of submissions. And I think um, at the end, we're going to read out unpopular opinions and just react. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not to name and shame, but rather just to like air them on your behalf yes our listeners um but do you have any unpopular opinions i know you said that they're sort of uh, mm. we're not going to judge about um whether they are secretly popular opinions sure but are there anything that anything jumps to mind as something that on a more positive note that you like that you don't think has the respect it deserves Okay, well, a couple of things. One, I f- one I feel like is an unpopular opinion of a negative, and it's not even that negative. But it's definitely something I feel like I'm in, in, I am in the minority about. Is I don't really care that much about Bucky Barnes in the oh, Marvel Cinematic, this, yes. and I've said it before, and I'm wary of saying it still. I get why people love Bucky. I don't, and I always feel super wary about saying that. In certain circles, um, but that's I suppose a negative. Of, and it's even that I think he's a bad character because I don't think he is. I think Sebastian Stan does a great job playing him. I don't necessarily think that character is the be all and end all that a lot of people seem invested in. But I'm over here investing the other traumatized person that's got like body modifications as a result of experimentation because rocket raccoon is my babe <laughs> so yeah I was, I was glad that they shared a bit of a moment oh there um, that was good how much for the gun not for sale how much for the arm <laughs> it was good it was good uh, um, a, a quick positive one and then over to you for a negative and a positive maybe um i think treasure planet is one of the best disney movies nice i genuinely think uh, which is fun because i mentioned black sales earlier Mm-hmm. I think it's criminally underrated. I'm not saying it's a flawless movie because it's not, but there's so much creativity there and there's so much fun and so much heart and it's really fucking good. Mm. It's really good. And it's back when like Disney were doing more experimentation with like a mixture of CG and 2D animation. And it's one of the not the last last animated films that like traditionally animated films that Disney did, but it sort of feels like part of the reason like people like to blame, oh, that's why Disney stopped doing mm. traditional cell animation. Part of that was because Treasure Planet flopped. And you you love the uh, late Disney Renaissance era, don't you? Yeah, with, I'm a big uh, fan of Atlantis Lost Empire. I think it's really cool. I really like Treasure Planet. Lilo and Stitch is my fave. Do you like Emperor's New Groove? I do love Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, it's a good batch of films, but they get so unfairly um, mm-hmm. treated, I feel. Yeah, so that that that's one of my things. It's just like, like, don't get me wrong, I love The Little Mermaid. I love Beauty and the Beast. I love Aladdin. But I will quite happily go to bat for the, the, late, the late 90s, early noughties Disney crop that tends to be seen unfavorably. And... Uh, Call back, check out movie with Mikey's Emperor's New Groove video. 
because hmm. it's a good one. And I think he talks about like the nature of Disney at that time as well. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Hamish, hit me with something you're unpopular. Come well, on. I'll do I'll do a Marvel one as well. Ooh. Um I don't particularly like Deadpool and I don't think he's good queer representation. Uh, mm-hmm. if at all. Uh, so I went into a little investigation about this. Since being aware of who Deadpool was, mm-hmm. people have um, sort of celebrated him as a pansexual character. Yeah. Um, and I went to look into, like, how this is actually represented in the comics. Yeah. Because um, there is a bit of, like, word of God stuff. Yes. From writers. Um, because the amount of kind of like regressive straight men that love Deadpool makes me suspicious that he's actually as queer as we think he is in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and more often than not, I see the examples of him kind of flirting with men is kind of done in a sort of way to evoke gay panic. It's more a joke at the fact that the people he's flirting with are really uncomfortable. Right. Like I know, I know there's a lot of examples of him kind of flirting with Spider-Man, but the joke is Spider-Man's made very uncomfortable by being flirted at by a guy. Right. Um and like that doesn't mean that he's not queer. Mm. Um and obviously he's a character who does a on the list of bad things he does, that's not <laughs> really very high. Sure. Um but I don't know. I think it's more that if me as a uh MLM, man loving man, or what have you, mm-hmm. um, being told you'll love Deadpool because of that, right? Doesn't sit well when I kind of see it used that way. Fair. I think there's a potential in him to be written and I uh, better um, and queerer. <laughs> sure. Um, and I think I, I guess I just I, I get a bit frustrated when people are kind of happy with how he is at the moment like yeah it's good enough yeah i think we should he's think he should be i think deadpool should be better is my unpopular opinion yeah. um uh, to, to your point just because a, a little bit of reaction because uh, you and i talk about representation a lot mm. and about like if people can ignore it or don't see it then it doesn't really qualify as quote good representation mm. i will say just because a bunch of aggressive straight white dudes like a thing and choose to ignore that part or I don't think that necessarily negates it because straight white men in my experience can be some of the most blinkered people on the planet. (laughs) So the fact that they still like Deadpool, I don't think I, I agree with what you're saying though. Like while I'm all here and I think some of the valid criticism so it's just like Deadpool being pan is oh he's so wacky and weird <laughs> well I mean another element is that they often use kind of uh, gay and bi kind of uh, male culture as a sort of punchline a little bit like mm-hmm. the um, in some of the promotional stuff for the new Deadpool there's um mm. Deadpool kind of dancing in high heels to Celine Dion and there's like a golden girl skit. Yeah. And it's just all these like things that are very important to like sort of camp gay history. Yeah. That are kind of used to make the presumed straight audience of Deadpool kind of chuckle. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not saying it's bad and I'm not saying 
but again, this is why I find unpopular opinions really hard because I have to like caveat on caveat. Caveat, caveat. yeah. But it's, I feel like it, personally, it doesn't make me go like, yeah, Deadpool, he's so queer. It makes me yeah. think like, uh, this is not for me. <laughs> I suppose it comes back to what you were saying about L three earlier. It's just like, okay, here is a character that the SJWs can love and hold up and go, yes, this is me. But also at the same time, people don't go, can go, this is Disney making fun of you. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's the thing. The, the character itself is cool. The I don't trust necessarily the framing of the studio behind it. I think that that's fair. Um, and I will give props to sort of um, Ryan Reynolds for the way he talks about Deadpool, though, because I yeah. feel like this is a case where the actor and certain people involved would like it to be more explicit. And, yeah. like, studios are reluctant to put their money where their mouth is while selling us rainbow themed things in pride month but that's an entirely different <laughs> argument and discussion to be had but no um, I, I feel you on the deadpool thing a popular opinion and i'm going to be quick mm-hmm. i uh, a, 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 an unpopular positive, positive opinion uh-huh um and it's something that's very close to my heart but in uh 59 episodes of this podcast i talked about fairly little um I think the special effects in Godzilla films are good. And I'll tell you for why. Mm-hmm. Even among Godzilla fandom, there is this uh, trend to kind of point and laugh at the kind of men in suits destroying model cities element of Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. And often that's why people like them. They say because they're so crummy, they're good. And you see this lot in... Whenever, like, one of the new Hollywood Godzilla films comes out, you always get articles and papers or, you know, magazines just talking about how, like, cheap and tacky the old films look. Yeah. And I think there is a slight element of racism behind it. Um, Because I think there's a different, like, mindset going into a Godzilla film or a kaiju film and... They're called tokusatsu. It's kind of the the Japanese special effects industry. Um, I think it should be treated a lot more like going to see a puppet show or going to see like special effects in Mm theatre where you're not pointing and laughing at the strings or if you're seeing War Horse, you're not like saying, I can see the people. I think there's actually a level of like such masterful technique in Godzilla films like the model cities they're destroying are so beautifully crafted and the performances of the people in the costumes are so characterful yeah um and I think there's just a level of disrespect those films get that I wish cinema kind of critique could overcome that's my unpopular opinion about something that I think deserves a bit more respect (laughs) I like it um Shall we uh, head over to the Facebook group? Yikes, yeah. This is going to be uh, probably a bit quickfire, I think. Okay. Because um, I'm not sure I have much to say about a few of these. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's, should we start at the top and work our way down? We don't yeah. have to say all of these. Um, Gemma. Spock and Kirk and McCoy is a better OT3 than Amy, Rory and the Doctor. Also, while I'm at it, pineapple does not belong on pizza and mint is delicious. Fight me. Gemma, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm going to have to fight you because mint is for toothpaste and pineapple can absolutely go on pizza, should you wish. The combination of sweet and salty is a gift. Wow. Uh, my feelings about the um, OT3 thing... Uh... Oh, that I kind of get. 
I get because I never I think Amy and Rory and the Doctor is a great trio to watch. Yes. But I don't think of the Doctor being in any way kind of romantically connected to the other two. Sure. And I, I think Spock, Kirk and McCoy have got that great the 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 classic sort of power trio vibe that a yeah. lot of things like heart, head and whatever it is they do. Spirit. Yeah. They I they I think they embody that in in a much stronger way than Amy uh, than the Doctor in the Ponds. As much as I love the Doctor in the Ponds. But Gemma, yeah. you're cool. I'm not gonna we don't actually have to fight. I just casually disagree with you <laughs> regarding pineapple and mint. Okay, so the reason I don't like pineapple and pizza has everything to do with texture. That's fair. I find the kind of like the pop of a little sweet thing a bit strange. I had a pineapple pizza at Pizza Express where it was more like a pineapple like chutney, like embedded in the cheese, and it was delicious. Um, So I agree in theory. Uh, Finn says Babylon 5 is fantastic, and I have nothing else to say about it. I've never watched it, but I love some of the makeup and puppet work. The only thing I have to say about it is that there's a line in space I think about a lot, which is Babylon 5 is a big pile of shit. (laughs) And I that's my only context. I'm sure it's not a big pile of shit. I'm sorry. Uh, Henna's McKay uh, comes out swinging, and I like this because I know this is something you and I have talked about. Uh, Batman and Robin is a woefully underrated queer movie and is important to reassess for its camp value while currently argue about which superhero universe is more willing to pepper mild LGBT references into its movies in the present day. So, Hennes is the person that we wanted to get for a Batman episode that may happen one day. We want it um, to. He's written articles about Clayface as representation of HIV positive people. He's talked about, he talks like Batman and Robin a lot. Um, and my feelings is that Batman Forever, the one before it, um, is slightly worse because it's still got one foot in the Tim Burton kind of Batman and it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And full Schumacher, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think Batman and Robin in some ways succeeds more because it's Try- more. It just is like, what it's trying to be. Yeah. No, I can, I can, I can, I can be down with that. I mean, I love Batman Forever, so mm. like quite unashamedly in all its, its cheesy a- glory. When you watch Batman Forever, you can... Some people in that movie are taking it way too seriously. Oh, no, I was just I was thinking that, like, you... you, There's no real sign that the next film is going to be Batman and Robin. Like, it... I don't know, it, Chris O'Donnell's ear-piercing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I don't know. I, don't know. I, 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 I live for um, Alicia Silverstone playing, like... Uh, Alfred's niece, niece, niece? who's like yeah. from the UK, UK, yep. and like, yeah, I studied at Oxford. Mm, and did you though? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, Uma uh, Thurman looks like she's never had more fun. <laughs> quite frankly. Oh god, I want to watch it now. Yeah, we should. Okay. Do. Okay. Uh, Lock, uh, Lachlan says Star Trek: The Next Generation is boring. A lot of people, there's some thumbs up and some shocked faces reaction wise. Yeah. I get why people say that. I think. The whole point of Next Generation was that it was meant to be a contrast. Mm. There are definitely some weird as fuck episodes of Next Generation, though. <laughs> My uh, counter will be there is more boring Star Trek out there. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. I quite like it. Yeah. Uh, Donovan uh, swings in with The Phantom Menace is the best of the Star Wars prequels and the prequels as a whole are enjoyable and added a lot to the Star Wars franchise. I mean... 
I'm more of a Revenge of the Sith kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but whenever I watch The Phantom Menace, which is more often than uh, probably a lot of people do, yeah, um, I'm shocked how, in contrast to the two other prequels, how many sets and locations and models and puppets there are. I think there's um, a lot to be admired about the prequels. Like, I have issues mm. with some of the writing from a character point of view, but I think there's a lot to be admired in them from a, a movie-making perspective. Yeah, and I was actually talking, um, my brother's uh, girlfriend works for ILM. Oh. Um, which is really cool. And we were talking about how, uh, we were saying, oh, we wish the prequels were made now so that they could look as nice as, um, you know, the current Star Wars films. But I think we needed to go through that patch of, like, entirely green screen movies to understand why sets and locations are so important. Mm. Um. And now we exist in a world where, like, there's a kind of mixture, you know, they film Star Wars films now in the outdoors, and then they put a nice planet in the background, and they, yeah, they, uh, they, a lot of the, um, things on The Last Jedi were kind of puppets, but then CGI faces or mm-hmm. other things. Like um, CGI enhanced and... Yeah, um... I do think I, I the prequels did add a lot. I did think mm. they take they took away certain sort of elements that they took sure. away certain mysteries. But um, I I don't think Star Wars would be as big if it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And again, another shout out to movies with Mikey because uh, he did a couple of essays on how sort of Star Wars has changed movies mm. and talking about them within their historical context. Yeah, it's super interesting. So and also true. just watch the prequels for Palpatine because he is having a whale of a time. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Ewan, of course. Yeah, yeah. Again, like if people up there with poison, uh, Uma Thurman having fun as poison, I'd be like, Ian McDermott looks like he's having a crack in time, quite frankly. So this is going to be one that I think you might have things to say about. Mm-hmm. Evan says, um, I'm not a fan of how the Adventure Zone does queer rep and how much praise they get for it. I get why people latch onto it, but I've, uh, I'm quite discomforted by it, and it turned me off the show after Balance ended. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, I also am inclined to agree about how much praise the show gets for it, especially when the creators themselves don't think of what they're doing as being amazing and the be-all and end-all. They're quite like, no, we're three straight guys and we think it's right that we include this, but we aren't. Mm. We don't necessarily know what we're doing and while we try to be respectful and stuff, we're going to make mistakes. The way the McElroys talk about it themselves compared yeah. to how it's treated within the fandom space, I'd be inclined to agree. I think there are aspects of the relationships between the characters that felt rushed and maybe a little bit pandery to the audience's like expectations mm. of what they wanted. And, yeah, I do not think it's perfect queer representation. I think they maybe do what they can within the limited experience and they're learning, which is great. But yeah. it isn't perfect. And I can totally understand why somebody might be like, you know what, I don't like how they're doing this, so I'm not going to watch it anymore or listen anymore. Yeah, it's one of those things I hear a lot where and it kind of frustrates me a bit. I'm happy it's in there and I'm glad they did it. I'm glad that these aren't set in a world without it. Um, but if someone said to me, you must listen to the Adventure Zone, it's so queer, I can imagine... I'd go... Mm. Fe- I-, I can imagine feeling a bit disappointed if I got to the end of 
you know, 69 episodes and there's a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, 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 this is what unpopular opinions are about. It's yeah. about saying things that are unpopular or I think it's good to have that. We shouldn't just treat anything completely untouchable. Yeah. And I want to hear your big thoughts regarding Taco and Aubrey. Oh, um, basically, I think it's similar to what I just said. Like, I, I, they're not negative. They're more like, I think I'd feel more uncomfortable if uh, either of them were really leaning heavily. Like, I'd be, I'd feel a bit uncomfortable if Taco was, like, always talking about gayness and the gay experience and they were mm. role-playing that. Yeah. Um, and at the same time... Um, I find Taco often does things or says things that seem a bit strange if uh, his sexuality is to be believed. Does that make right. sense? Yes. I, spe- I mean, um, that's partly because role play isn't isn't the same as trying to tell a story, and these characters yeah. developed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I've never had any issue with like. Uh, Justin doing gay voice or anything because I've never thought that mm. he did and I also tend to defend the characters that are a bit more femme and yeah camp and flamboyant because I think we went really hard the other way mm-hmm. <laughs> for a long time yeah um I think with Aubrey I've not listened to the most recent episode um I think it's actually kind of sweet that uh when Travis listed the like people in his life she's inspired by and they were all bisexual it would seem mm. really weird to erase that aspect mm-hmm. um and i'm excited to see him play that yeah. aubrey in general is an interesting character because it's like the first time any of them excluding the other like mini arcs are like i think one of the reasons balance works so well is that they all sound exactly like <laughs> like the characters it's really easy to imagine them yeah. and most of the time when i am imagining the show i'm just imagining the mcelroys in their like makeshift cosplay yeah um so you have there's a bit more like imagination involved i guess sure with Aubrey. but um i'm interested to see where it goes mm. yeah I, I i saw on tumblr somebody um a bit uncomfortable stating that um like Okay, I didn't realize that Travis outed a bunch of people as part of the thing for the in the 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 Adventure Zone zone when um, they got the question of if Aubrey is a lesbian or not, mm-hmm. and uh, Travis name checked those people. And I don't know whether this person on Tumblr listens to this, but like all of the women that he lists as inspiration are publicly out. It's not he didn't reveal yeah. information that isn't known. Yeah. So. I'm quite happy to like call Travis and the other McElroys when they do fuck up, but in that instance, that was pretty chill. Um, do you want to go down to Luther's question? What, what uh, question? Um, yeah, I've looked through the. <laughs> we're looking through this Facebook thing, and there's a lot of discussion going on. Yeah. Um, okay, Luther said, "I'm popping number one. The rapport on good news, everyone, is exactly the same as box not included, despite not being in the same room." Cool. Thank. That's good to know. We'll. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, at some point, get back to watching Futurama. <laughs> yeah. I was enjoying talking about it. Uh, unpopular opinion number two, The Breakfast Club flipping sucks and isn't queer at all. Well, one, I'd agree that it isn't queer representation. I don't think it's ever tried to be. I don't no. know who's been holding it up as an example. <laughs> I, know, I know people ship characters from it in queer ships, but that doesn't 
make it like canonically so. Um, I'll disagree because I really like The Breakfast Club, despite its its flaws. I find it very interesting. I watched it for the first time a few years ago, and I can kind of see why it is this staple of a particularly American cinema. There are some aspects of it that are really gross. Um, Molly Ringwald recently did a really good article talking about it um, mm. herself and her experiences on it in light of the Me Too movement, which was really a really interesting read. But I purposely reference it quite a lot because I think it's fun to think about. But yeah. I, I get why people would enjoy it, for sure. I've seen it. I don't have many thoughts about it. <laughs> but yes, uh, as, as Tao points out in the group, um, who, who shares my view of the thing, it's just like, it is super heteronormative in many ways. Just like the pairing up mm. of couples is just like, why? I really like The Breakfast Club as a source as a kind of like inspiration for other things yes it's a really like good re- au fodder and inspiration yeah and I, I like the breakfast club kind of influence in the recent power rangers movie that i always find mm-hmm. a way to talk about in every episode um, rightly so uh megan said because the because avatar the last airbender and queer representation in children's media are my two strongest passions i want to love cora but i just don't um i haven't seen cora I've only watched the first season and I need to kind of get back to it. I found the first season kind of hard going. Like it didn't grab me the way Avatar did. The thing that I know from people that like it is it's like a much harder watch and it feels very intentional. Like they, the the characters in it are a lot um, less perfect. Yeah. Um, I've not. I've watched all of Avatar, but for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I don't quite. I can't seem to connect with um, shows from that studio. Same with uh, Voltron. Mm. Um, I think it's just one of those things that's just. It's yeah. a bit like How to Train Your Dragon. It's a, a, another thing where I can see its merits and it's really good, mm. and also I'm not seeming. I'm not seemingly feeling the same as everyone else in the room. <laughs> Oh, let's not get too into it. I have to train Dragon because they've released the teaser poster and I'm mad. Yeah. Unless I mean, it turns out like that white Night Fury is going to be like bigger than Toothless and have massive razor teeth and stuff like that <laughs> that pop out when what presumably I will, she is annoyed. What I will say about DreamWorks is uh, third movie posters can be misleading because... Mm. Um, a lot of the Kung Fu Panda 3 promotion was like him interacting with the female panda and him carrying lots of panda cubs. That's true. The film itself is nothing to do with that. And it's mostly about his two, having two dads. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, 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 we'll hold things because like, I've got complicated feelings regarding how to train your dragon as we've discussed yeah. before. But uh, that's it for today. Thank you, Facebook group, for all that good discussion fodder. Much appreciated. Yeah, unpopular opinions are good and bad, and we are all better people for venting and also making sure we don't hurt each other's feelings. <laughs> Word. <laughs> um, if you'd like to send in a question for next episode, uh, I've been I've been thinking while talking. I'd love to do an episode. I mm. don't know. You don't have to agree to this. A kind of pride themed episode, which is what are our favorite things about being queer, okay. um, or something. Cool positive or yeah i'm down i'm down with that um by the next time we record the sensate finale will have dropped as well Uh, (laughs) so we we will be talking about about that that. we can talk about that and we can talk about yeah i like the idea of doing a a positive a positive probably thing there's a a thing i've been seeing on twitter which is like tell us a short fun story about how you knew you were queer Mm. and i've seen some really lovely things as a result of that 
Yeah. So that'd be a vibe. It'd be nice to have in the next episode. So send in any uh, queer thoughts, uh, questions, or whatever um, to boxonincluded at gmail.com. Or you can use our social media at boxonincluded on Twitter, Tumblr, and in our Facebook group, which we spent the whole episode promoting as a great place for heated discussion. Mm-hmm. But people not hurting each other's feelings. Yeah. Um, or you can talk to us directly. I'm at Hamish Steele on Twitter. And I'm at Rose. And finally, as always, we want to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord and Master of the Soundwaves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anybody box you in. Mm-hmm.